have you ever had one of those beautiful evenings, preferably when it's cooler and the mosquitoes are all dead, where you stand beside a lake or a pond or maybe even a slow-moving river and you find some smooth stones and you can just lob them across the top of the water and they just skid, ta 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 And you just count, well, there was six times, there was eight times, there was, there was four times. When I, growing up as a kid, uh, we would go camping on Sam Rayburn, and I loved when it was close to the evening, I'd have a little you know, pocket full of these, these flat stones, and I would just lob them across the water, and they would make these, these trails, and then you would see the, the colors of the sunset, this orange and these periwinkles and these, these pinks, um, just sort of kind of play in these ripples. And then sometimes I wouldn't be able to find good smooth stones, so I would just find healthier chunking stones, and I would throw them as far as I could, and you get that satisfying noise of boom, you know. Um, just enjoyed it. It's just a peaceful moment. But as you throw those stones out and they, they splash, what happens? Well, you get these ripples, right? These ripples that, that sort of flow outwards. And so over the next four weeks, I want to challenge us with what I'm going to call sort of these concentric circles of service. We're beginning a brand new series that we're calling Serve. And I want you to see sort of this, this ripple effect of areas that we should be, I believe, serving in. And so this morning, to sort of get us thinking in that direction, we're really going to look at two main passages of Scripture. I want you to start off with me in the book of Acts. Um, Acts sort of takes place where Luke's gospel leaves off, and it sort of tells the story of the spread of Christianity and the growth of the church. We're going to look at Acts 1.8, then we're going to journey back after that in a little while, and we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28, a famous passage, the, the end of Mark, Matthew's gospel, where we look at the Great Commission. Now, I want to talk about those concentric circles of service. Acts 1.8, and let me set the scene here for you. Jesus has been resurrected. We have this, this truth of Jesus' resurrection. This is what separates Christianity from every other religion, every other worldview, that our God is a God who is loving, but also is a God who was raised from the dead. And so he's been resurrected, and he's speaking directly to his disciples, his apostles, in this passage. But certainly there's some application in this for us. Acts 1.8, Jesus is speaking. He says this. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We know that to be the day of Pentecost. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now here Jesus commissions, commands the disciples to be witnesses. Well, what's a witness? Well, a witness is someone who has seen, they share, they witness what they have saw with their eyes to somebody else. Well, what did they see? Well, they saw the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This crowd that is here, especially the apostles, they have seen Jesus' resurrection with their own eyes. And so Jesus calls them to be witnesses, to share what they've seen. And, and it sort of starts in Jerusalem. This is where the, the stone impacted. And then you see in, in Acts, as these ripples go out at the gospel... That the, the truth of Jesus Christ and who he is, that he was raised from the dead, it ripples out into various parts of the world. As a matter of fact, it, it's rippled here to Orange, Texas. I don't know if you knew this, but Orange is a long way from Jerusalem. 
And so let me remind you that we're all witnesses, that we're all called to be witnesses, as we'll see this morning. And whether you like it or not, you are constantly a witness. Now, some days maybe your witness is better than other days, but we are a witness to who Jesus is every single day. Now, I want to share one more passage with you about our Savior. You don't have to turn there, but let me read Paul's writing to the Philippians. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Here's what Paul says. He says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped. Jesus didn't use his position for his benefit. But he emptied himself... By taking the form of, here's the word, a servant being born in the likeness of men. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even, Paul adds, even death on the cross. So we're commanded to serve the world around us and to bring them this good news. And those two things generally overlap. Our, Our service and love for our fellow man compels us to bring the good news of who Jesus is. And so we're going to look at these concentric circles, if you will, of discipling, ministering, serving in your home and in your church, your community, and also into the furthermost reaches of the world. Only we're going to do it backwards. We're going to start off with the world, go down to our community, then our church, and then what God has to say to us about serving in our homes. And so as luck would have it, we just had a missions team get back from serving somewhere in the far reaches. And so I'm going to ask if they'll come forward this morning. And we just want to share with you a little bit about their service in a place called Honduras. And let me be honest with you, they're probably pretty tired because I think they've been home about 12-ish, 12-ish hours. And so this is our our Honduras missions team. They went, they installed a water well there. And so we just wanted to have them share a little bit with you guys this morning. And so to start off, uh, would would you mind kind of elaborating and sharing with us about what physical needs you guys met in Honduras? Well, we, of course, went down there to drill a water well. And uh, we drilled a well for a little school of 240 kids and an orphanage that's... uh, about a block away and uh, have them clean drinking water now. That's the first physical need. And yeah. uh, we uh, met several needs of some of the community with, um, we had a, we brought eyeglasses down and fit, I don't know, we brought 60 glasses and we left 20 at a church that needed glasses for the elderly people there in the church to read their Bible. Yeah. And then uh, probably about 20 parents at the school and then we left the rest of the glasses with another church. So, so yeah, it sounds like a lot of ministering to, to physical needs. And so I know y'all were, were able to help um, install this, this water well. Before the well was there for this community, uh, how far did they have to travel to get clean water? The river was about a mile away. Um, they did have a system to gather water on a, a hill, but that was uh, typically running dry pretty often. But washing clothes, all the clothes went to the river to wash. And so uh, they say that's 118 miles is the average the grown-up ladies uh, walk a, a month for doing their clothes and water. 118 miles a month? Yeah. Uh, anybody in here walk 118 miles a month? Anybody walk a mile to wash your clothes or to get a fresh drink of water? 
I have never walked that far to get a fresh drink of water. I've walked that far for a donut, but not for, <laughs> not for, not for water. Um, so you're able to meet some physical needs, but what about the spiritual needs there? Can you share, can you share a little bit about that with us? Yes. Um, the closing ceremony, we, uh, we talked and uh, presented to the uh, community, the, the children and the parents, and then we had a pastor that's a part of Aqua Viva, uh, which is the nonprofit organization we went in through. Um, he spoke and shared the gospel uh, with the group, and probably out of the, there was 240 kids counting the school, and I would say three quarters of them raised their hand to accept Christ. Wow. Yeah. That's wonderful. Yeah. Truly is. Well, I know on trips like this, you know, our, our desire is to go and it's to minister to other people. And, and, and certainly we see that in Scripture. That's what we're called to do, to go and minister to other people. But it's always interesting to me when we go that somehow we always find ourselves ministered to as well. So can you share a little bit with us about that? What did, what are, what's something that you took away from this trip or how God ministered to you guys? Yep. One of the reoccurring themes, I'll, I'll just keep talking. But, uh, there you go. <laughs> Leslie talking about it. But uh, one of the reoccurring themes that we had was um, expectations that we had. You know, they build up over the year preparing for the trip of getting it this deep on this day and having this much work done and getting to this point. And so God showed us pretty quick that our expectations were not the way to do it. We had to give up all things to him. We were delayed hours to go on the plane and we were had long van rides and then we were to go the in the morning is the best time to work, as we all know, even though, you know, it's a lot hotter there than it is here. But mornings is your key time to work. And uh, we were delayed four hours on two mornings because of a bridge being blocked. And um, so sitting in traffic and going back for breakfast, and it was just, you know, delay, delay, delay. Yeah. So our expectations were continually shown that we needed to give it to God and, and let him handle everything. Yeah, that's probably a lesson we could all, all learn because uh, things don't really work out the way that we want them to. So a- anybody else want to share of, of how this trip impacted you? Um, first, uh, from all of our team, we all want to just thank you so much for uh, going along with us on this mission trip. Um, we have these fancy shirts, and they have our names on the back. Um, but truly... There are so many people here that sent us with uh, supplies. There are people who gave of their time to uh, cut a lot of little germs as we taught uh, hygiene. And um, above all else, there was a a lot of prayer partners that uh, supported us throughout the week. And we truly wish that we could write everybody's name on the back of our shirts. Uh, You were there with us and we shared that with the people there. Um, Mindy and I and uh, two other ladies that were our translators, we worked with um, the children all morning. Um, And uh, I hate it when I lose my, we are so tired. I get it. (laughs) We're bone tired, but our hearts are very full. Um, 
we work with the children in the mornings and about a uh, little under 250 kids and after we were finished being exhausted by then by them uh, we got to uh, minister to a group of women of about 30 um, the first day uh, I shared some of my testimony we and backed it up with scripture we sang um, and as the week went on, one thing that really stood out to us is that each day the women presented themselves when they came just a, a little bit better. Like the next day they dressed better. The next day they were, you know, more groomed and they uh, started by the end of the week just could really hold their heads up higher. Um, these women, um, are very oppressed um, because of the difficulty with water um, it's extremely hard to keep your house clean um, it's very difficult to keep your children clean it's very difficult to keep yourself clean and their self-esteem is extremely low um, and that's really what uh, the word that we um, shared all throughout the week was the your identity in Christ, who you are um, with him. Um, on the second day, during uh, the praise in the, in the beginning, of course, that we did not understand any of the words because <laughs> they speak their language, not ours, right? In Spanish, uh, um, there was one lady... Um, our team was asking who would like to, to lead in some songs. And this lady just stood out just right off the bat. And she had her eyes closed and her hands raised. And she just sang to the Lord. And she just led all of those women um, unprompted, just like amazingly. After that, they just played some music, um, and we were allowed to go along, go around the outside of the circle and lay our hands on them. And there was this same lady I felt uh, very drawn to, and, and I was behind her and had my hands on her shoulders, and she couldn't understand my words, but I know that God translated every single word. Um, and she was just quaking she was uh, sobbing as time went on we asked if any of the ladies wanted to share anything no one did but at the end she came up to us and she said that uh, she was a mother of five um, and that her oldest son about a month and a half uh, ago um, he is a helper on a bus. That was his job. And um, there's a lot of extortion there. And these gang members were pressuring him, you need to pay your tax, you need to pay your tax. And he was murdered. And then her next eldest son... And this was just a month and a half ago. The next elder son, that same gang, began to threaten him. And he is now in hiding. 
This mother's name is Maritza, and I would really ask you to, to pray for her. Um, she has big burdens on her, on her shoulders. As the week went on, uh, the next day, they don't have any gifts, but these are people that, that truly want to share also with you as we're sharing with them. And somehow she got enough supplies of the crafts that we did and um, pulled out four different ones because it's me, uh, Mindy, and two, uh, I call them just interpreters, but let me tell you, they are so very much more than that. <laughs> Strong supporters, lovers of God completely. And um, the next day she brought us the most decorated craft from the supplies that we had. And she, they were each individualized with our names on them. She wrote us a personal letter, each letter being different on the back. She was just completely giving of her heart. Um, the next day was the celebration day. Um, so we didn't meet with the ladies as a, as a group, but she came up um, to me with the interpreter and told shared with us how before we came she was in a very deep depression and how us coming there and sharing God's love with her and building her up she said uh, she was reminded of her identity in Christ and how from this day forward she was going to live in that in that way wonderful Wonderful. One of many, many stories. That uh, yeah, I'm we sure can we go could spend on and on and on. A lot of time here, but we want to we want to say you guys, we appreciate y'all's willingness to go, and for being willing to come back and bless us and share um, about about the trip. So let's give them a round of applause. First. Wasn't that really interesting to hear and to see what God's doing and how God uses other people now? For our, for our time together this morning, I want to I quickly look two thoughts. Uh, number one, how do we serve the world? And then I want to give you some practical ideas. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to journey to Matthew 28, 16 with me. Matthew 28, 16. How do we serve the world? Well, if you're going to serve the world, the first thing that you have to do is just simply show up. What do I mean by that? I mean you have to be available. You have to be willing to say, okay, God, um, here's what I've got. I want you to use it. Matthew 28, 16. It says this. It says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And so the disciples went where Jesus told them to go. Our availability is of far more importance than our actual abilities. Our availability is of far more importance than our actual abilities. And so these people went exactly where Jesus told them to go. We've got the disciples, um, the apostles, and probably a larger crowd here. And so the first thing that we need to see is that if we're going to be used, we've got to go where Jesus says go. We've got to be where Jesus says be. I want you to also notice this. Look at verse 17. And when they saw him, when they, when they saw Jesus, they worshipped him. And it gives the caveat, however, some doubted. I want you to see this morning that worship inevitably leads to service. Now, not just worship through song, but revering God, 
knowing who he is, giving him his due, us worshiping who he is, that we make him a Lord of our lives, from that spills over this, this act of service. It says that when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Now, I think it's interesting that it mentions that some doubted. And this is one of the ways that I'm reminded and reassured that what Scripture records is true. Because it even records the things that might be a little bit embarrassing. That there were yet some in this crowd, though many worshipped, there were still some who doubted. Well, what did they doubt? Well, most likely there was people there that doubted, you know, is this really Jesus? Did he, did he really rise from the dead? It says, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to him, said to them, well, what happens? Same thing that happens in our doubts. You know, as Christians, sometimes we do. We have moments where we, we struggle. Maybe it's doubts of God's provision. Maybe sometimes it's doubts of, God, are you really there? I pray to you. I feel like I don't necessarily hear you. God, are you there? Maybe it's we, we doubt our ability to do what God has called us to do. But in those moments, if we're willing to seek God, to listen to God, to ask those questions of God, God will speak to us in our hearts through his word. So how do we serve the world? Well, we've got to show up. We worship. But I also want you to see this. We have to recognize who our authority is. Look at verse 18. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Before Jesus gives this passage that we know of as the Great Commission, before he commissions these, these people to go out into all the reaches of the earth and to share the gospel, to be his witnesses... First, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Well, why should we serve the world around us? Because Jesus is our authority. We're here to do what he says, that there's a God and it's not me. And if I don't, I'm in disobedience. Jesus says that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. While Jesus was on earth, what did Jesus do? Well, he healed the sick and diseased. Only God could do that. He had power over nature. Remember the moments where Jesus commands the waves to be still and they were still? That he has power over sin. This was one of the reasons the religious leaders despised him because they said, who, who can command sins to be forgiven? You blaspheme, you saying that you're God. And ultimately we see in the resurrection that Jesus had power over death, that he is our authority. And I think it's interesting. In Acts 1.8, when he says, when he commissions them, Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, the furthest reaches of the earth. He says, first, the Spirit will come, this helper, the day of Pentecost. And we reminded in this that outside of Christ that we can do nothing. That we are instruments, that we are vessels that God chooses to use. And what's interesting is when we serve and when we share our faith, we find that we are blessed in this process as well. Look at verse 19. This is that famous passage. Go, therefore... Make disciples of, of all nations. And I love this all nations thing. Why is that? Because it reminds us that all people are to hear the gospel. It reminds us that it doesn't matter our nationality or our geography or our ethnicity or the color of our skin. The gospel message is for all people. That all men are created equal, men and women, in the eyes of God. He says, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them 
In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the triune God, one what, three who's, three persons, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. That's important that we understand this, this command, this great commission hinges on showing up. It hinges on us worshiping. It hinges on us recognizing that we are not the authority, that God is the authority. But then what does he tell us to do? He says, go and make disciples of all nations. That is to say, if you have found Christ, if you have truly found the most wonderful blessing in your life, if you have found truth, how can you remain silent about that? That's parallel to what this missions team shared us this morning about, about this, this water, that there was a line forming for people to come and get this water. Oh my goodness, this is fresh, clean, pure water that you don't have to walk a mile to get. Imagine that there was some telling of the neighbors there. In the same way, that's what we are called to do. We have found this, this water that quenches the spiritual thirst and we are to go and to share it. What is the obstacle? Why don't we share it like we're supposed to? Is it fear? Is it getting wrapped up in our own worlds every day? Is it that do we really believe that what we say we believe is really real? To say that we love God and to say that we love people and then to not tell people about the God that we love must be perplexing to those around us. Obedience, go and make disciples. How do we make disciples? Jesus says there's three things. He says you got to go, you got to baptize, and you got to teach. Let's talk about those quickly. We don't wait for the world to come to us, we go. Now, sometimes they come to us, sure. And we say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Or hey, let me love on you. Or hey, let me show you what God has done in my life. But we are called to go. We are called to be a going church. That God wants us to serve everyone. He desires that we connect other people to Christ. What else does he say? He says that we're to baptize. What is baptism? Well, it's obedience. It's something that Jesus said that we follow him in baptism. It doesn't save us. It doesn't give us a right standing before God. It shows our union with Christ. It shows that we identify in his death, his burial, his resurrection, that we are dead to the old way of life and that we are alive in Christ. Baptism is a bit like wearing a wedding ring. The other day, my wife left the house and she left her, her wedding ring sitting right there on the counter. And I took a picture to her and sent it to her. And I said, hey, you got to come back home and get your wedding ring. Because how's the world going to know you're married? How's the world going to know that you're taken? This is exactly what baptism does is it sends this picture to the world that we are Christ. What else does he say to do? He says we are to teach. That we don't just create converts, lead them to the Lord and say, okay, good luck. Figure it out yourself. That we make disciples that we instruct, that we show what God's word says. And a lot of times we have this sort of idea that, oh man, we need to do missions and we need to serve and we need to evangelize so people won't spend eternity apart from Christ. And certainly that's true, but there's also the here and now. You know, a lot of people think of heaven as something that's coming. I think of heaven as something that's already began in my life. That I have God's presence on the daily. That I have this relationship where we're able to share with one another where I'm able to lean on him and cast my cares upon him. Where I'm able to enjoy the blessings that come from knowing the Lord. What else does Jesus say in the Great Commission? I want you to see that we need to remember something. He says in verse 19, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations. Let's baptize. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's teach to observe all that I've commanded. He says, And behold, I am with you always. 
always, even to the end of the age. Maybe sometimes you feel less than. You know, the amazing thing about the Old Testament and the New Testament is you have all these people who are really nobodies, who God uses in spite of their weaknesses, their shortcomings, their deficits, and their lack of, of thinking that they are worthy and able to be used. Sometimes I feel that way. God, how could you possibly use me? But he says, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That if we are obedient to show up, to worship, to obey, that God will use us in going to serve others and to share our faith. So can we get practical as we close out here? What are some ways that we can serve the world? Well, you saw one this morning, mission trips. You could go on a mission trip. We've had two mission trips this year. We went to to Mexico and we've gone to Honduras. There'll be more opportunities for missions next year. I Eventually, my prayer is, church, that every month we're sending a team somewhere in the world. How incredible would that be? That we, we, we could all get to be a part of going abroad and, and ministering to people. And you say, well, I'm not at a place in my life where I could go on a mission trip. That's fine. There's, there's goers and there's senders. You can be a sender. You can help provide a little bit of the backing, the financial backing for someone to go on a mission trip. How do we serve the world? It doesn't have to just be big grand things. It can also be something like we do at the holiday season where you get the shoebox and you pack it full of stuff, Operation Christmas Child, and, you, and it's sent to a, a child somewhere in the world and they receive some, some nice necessities that they need. They receive some things that will put a smile on their face and then they also receive this picture of the gospel. You know, did you know this? Our church has served as a collection center for 10 years now. It's a way to serve the world. How else can we serve the world? Well, there's world mission offering. Every year around the holidays, we take up, we, we, we set a figure and we challenge us to raise a certain amount of money that goes toward missions. It goes to foreign missions. It goes to stateside missions. You could give to missionaries. We, we support several missionaries. Um, I mentioned Mexico. I mentioned Romania. I had a lunch with my friend who's a missionary in Romania that we support uh, this past week. And he's one of the hardest working men I know. I know when I give that it's going to something good. And he's over six churches and they're growing and they're wanting to build a new building. You could sponsor a Compassion Child. We've done that. Where you send so much money to this organization every month called Compassion International. And then they take that money and they send it to a child and meet practical needs. And you can write letters and watch that kid grow up. There's all kinds of ways to serve the world. But can I remind us of this? You know, we're looking at these concentric circles sort of in reverse, the world, community, church, and at home. Let me remind us of this because I think it's important. If I'm not serving in my own home and making disciples there, how can I ever expect to serve way out here and make disciples here? If I'm not serving in Orange, Texas, how am I ever going to serve to the furthermost reaches of the earth? And so can I remind us, church, that God calls us to bloom right where we're planted. He calls us to serve, and he calls us to go. So as we close out, can I ask you this? Are you showing up? Are you saying, you know what, God? Here I am. 
where do you want me to serve? Is, is there something I can do at home? Is there something I can do at church, in my community? Would you show me those needs? How can I serve even the world, God? Are, are you worshiping? Because our service is contingent upon our worshiping. We, we sort of serve what we worship. And that's why much of America is self-serving, because we are self-worshiping. Are we submitting to God? Are we doing things God's way and saying, okay, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to use my time? Are we being obedient in how we live and how you share Jesus? You know, if I, if I say a lot of great things about the Lord and I witness to my neighbor, but my life doesn't reflect that and he sees that, I'm wasting my, my time. Or maybe this morning you're here and you're discouraged. And you say, you know what? God uses a lot of people but God couldn't use me. Well, that is a lie. And I know it's a lie because God will use anyone who's willing to show up and be obedient that's worshiping him and that will go. So are we doing that, church? Are we going? Are we baptizing? Are we teaching? I believe we are. I think there's so much more we could do.